Good morning, and uh, let uh, how about a hand for the fifth Sunday worship team? Uh, we are we are tremendously blessed by Mary Ellen and her team who come in on the fifth when, whenever we have a fifth Sunday, uh, they come in and, and uh, lead us in worship. It, it's a, a joy to have them with us and. Uh, appreciate them uh, flexing to be here in the new space, uh, getting used to the way things sound. I, I continue to believe, Greg, that that Paul Reed Smith not only sounds but looks awesome. Uh, and uh, once again, my own struggles with covetousness uh, are are the things I have to deal with. But uh, but thank you guys for being here. Um, <clears throat> to, today we're talking about worship. Now next week. Uh, in what we've been doing in this series is we've been talking about how we do what we do at New Hope. We've kind of been reviewing uh, some different elements of our life as a church, and we've been doing that sort of to remind us of, of who we are and, and what we do and why. Uh, and, and for the most part, we've been doing that uh, to kind of drive home the point that what we are doing here in Catonsville at St. Hilda's uh, is the same thing we were doing in Pikesville at Stone Chapel, is the same thing we were doing in Owings Mills at the old Lowe's movie theater, which has since been torn down and turned into a body shop. Uh, Please God, that will not happen to Stone Chapel. But next week, Joe is going to be talking about something that really is not changing at all. I mean, in some ways, it's sort of boring because every week we're talking about how our life as a church is not changing despite the fact that we are in a different location. And today, also, I'm going to be talking about something that isn't changing, which is the way we worship. But even though it's not changing, it is going to feel a little bit different. And as you've no doubt noticed, it already does. Now, if that's throwing you off, uh, just bear in mind that in, uh, in a month or so, there will be an Episcopal congregation meeting here, and if you come to service at St. Hilda's, that'll feel very different. New Hope is just a little different, but fundamentally what we're doing is the same thing. Now, you'll notice on your bulletin, in the top part under the funny little picture, we have written out Order of Worship. And today, our order of worship is singing and giving and denoting, praying, hearing, feasting, and singing. And the idea of laying this out here is to affirm that everything we do during our service is worship. Now, sometimes as a shorthand, you'll hear people say, oh, the kids are in the service for worship and then they leave in which case that word worship is just used to apply to the songs that we sing at the beginning. That can be reinforced when we call groups like Fifth Sunday the worship team. The idea is that they're the team that leads worship, and then there's some other stuff that happens, right? Some churches, basically you have worship, and you have some announcements, maybe a prayer time, and then a sermon, and that's it. And I used to actually suspect that somewhere in one of Paul's lost letters, he said, when you gather together, you shall sing four or five hymns, 
and then somebody shall give some announcements, and then somebody else will give a sermon. But the fact is, everything that we do, everything that we do here is worship. Now, the truth is, really, all of our life should be worship. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And that is your act of worship that, that makes sense, that is true in the spirit. So all our lives really are to be worship. And the word worship, of course, comes from worth-ship, i.e. ascribing to the Lord the worth, the honor, the glory do His name, as, as we heard quoted in the psalm this morning. So everything we do should be glorifying to God, but when, when we come together here on a Sunday morning or for other services, when we have a service of worship, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, different kind of, a different kind of way of glorifying God, and, and it involves things like singing, it involves being attentive to the things that God is doing in our community, it involves praying. It involves hearing the Word of God, and at New Hope, once a month or so, it involves us receiving the bread and the wine, as Jesus commanded us to. And all these things, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, and this is the passage for today's sermon, all things should be done decently and in order. You may have seen the bumper sticker, Presbyterians do things decently and in order. Uh, but the, the idea there, and Paul actually is in this passage coming to the end of a, a whole four-chapter tear about the way people ought to behave when they come together in a worship service, about the way that they should dress, about the way they should present themselves, the way they should act, whether they should speak in a way that is edifying, that, that contributes to the unity of the body, or whether they should just be speaking in a way that, that fits their own feelings in that given moment. It, it has to do with whether you sing or speak or pray or ask questions in a way that respects other people in the body, or whether you're perfectly content to act in a way that actually makes them ashamed to be associated with you. It's about whether you're going to worship God in a way that brings Jesus honor in the place where he's put you, or whether you're going to make your neighbors less interested in him and more concerned about people they know who are involved in this crazy Jesus movement. In fact, there are a number of interesting parts there in that 1 Corinthians 11 through 14. I won't get into that, but uh, bear this in mind next time you go to a wedding when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. He was not writing for Hallmark. Paul is talking about the way that we are to behave toward one another, the way we're to love our brothers and sisters in Christ when we come to worship Him together. Now, as you'll notice, if you come to services at St. Hilda's, and as you would have experienced if you had come to services here at St. Timothy's, doing things decently and in order in the Episcopal Church, in the Anglican tradition, means that you are doing things according 
to what the prayer book says. It's set out very clearly in the prayer book what things need to be said when. I had my very first experience this week at the cathedral on Tuesday. I celebrated the Eucharist as an Episcopal priest for the first time. Uh, There were only 11 people, thankfully, there to witness this, although one of them was a bishop. And uh, in fact, the person who's supposed to help me to to serve communion uh, couldn't make it out, so the bishop ended ended up being the one looking over my shoulder the whole time as I'm doing things like switching around lines in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, So I'll get used to this, but, but there are specific ways that you are to worship God in the Episcopal Church. There are, are specific uh, words that you're to use, and, and then in italics you have what are called the rubrics, because back when people weren't cheap, they actually printed those in red, and, and, uh, and it tells you how you're supposed to stand, how you're supposed to hold your hands, whether you're supposed to bow or not, whether you're supposed to pause. These are things that are laid out so that when, when people gather to worship, uh, if you go to an Episcopal service in Maine, or if you go to one in Puerto Rico, or if you go to, to one here in Maryland, you'll know what to expect. It's going to be the same thing. It's kind of like, you know, if you go to McDonald's in, in Korea, it's going to be a Big Mac. It's going to taste the same as one here. Whether that's good or bad, that's a matter of your opinion. But, but the idea is that it's the same thing, and that, that you know what to expect. And more broadly, if you are in the Anglican communion, if you go to a service in the Church of England or in the Church of New Zealand or in the Anglican Church of Canada, you're going to experience basically the same service of worship. It's done in a certain way. It's laid out. There are certain expectations, certain ways of doing it, and everybody knows what they are, and they expect that. Well, it's a little different for a church like New Hope because New Hope doesn't have a book of common prayer. Now, we do have a Bible, and my Episcopalian friends know this is the book that quotes the Book of Common Prayer a lot. <laughs> we have a Bible. We have the, the traditions of the church. We know what we've experienced if we've been involved in a, in a church like New Hope or like Grace, which planted us. But we don't have it all laid out. We don't have certain words that we know are going to be said at certain times. And so what we've done is we've worked it out. We've kind of worked out the way that we do worship. And it, it, it took us some time to figure out how we felt like God was calling us to do that for our community. But we've done that. And so, yeah, usually what it looks like is we have four or five tunes up front, and, and the last one or second to last one, we'll take the offering, and we have some announcements and a prayer time and a sermon, and then if there's communion, we do that then, and usually a closing tune, unless we've gone way, way, way over, and the people in the nursery are going to come at us with torches and pitchforks if we don't close. And sometimes we can change that around a bit. There's no book that says we have to do it that way, but that's the way that seems to make sense. And in in terms of how we celebrate baptism and how we celebrate the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, communion, we've worked it out that the way we do that is that we usually have a baptism service at the end of the summer in, in a pool 
We follow it with a pool party and cookout because in a sense, baptism is a pool party. Think about it for a little bit. It'll make some sense to you. But that's different. In the Episcopal Church, there are, there are certain days which are ideal for performing baptisms. One of them is, is the Easter vigil, the, the evening before Easter, when Easter technically starts, right? Because the day starts at sunset of the previous evening. So this year, uh, it, at the Easter vigil, St. Hilda's will have a, a vigil service and there will be uh, a child baptized. One-year-old boy will be baptized right there, Lord willing. That's something we don't do at New Hope. We don't baptize babies. We wait until people are at a point where they choose that, they, that they're able to say for themselves that they'd like to be baptized. But to do things decently and in order for New Hope means that we don't baptize babies. To do things decently and in order in the Episcopal Church means that they do. Different ways of doing it. At St. Hilda's, the Eucharist will be celebrated every week, every Sunday. That's part of the service. It's, it's sort of disorienting for somebody like me because on Tuesday, I finished my sermon. And usually what that means at New Hope is that, okay, you know, I've kind of done most of what I need to do. I just need to stay upright for the closing hymn. And, uh, and, and then I can go home and take a nap. And that's not the case. I know. I, I, I mean, after that, you know, you, you have the confession of sin and then you... Everybody uh, passes the peace, and then you have a whole nother half of the service where, where you're celebrating the Eucharist. It's, it's different. It's a different way. It's a different rhythm. It's a different feel. But what's important is that we respect the different ways that our neighbors, our brothers and sisters do things, because th there's nothing in Scripture that says, absolutely, you may never baptize babies. And there's nothing in there that says you absolutely have to baptize babies. There's no calendar in here that says how often you have to take the Eucharist. There's nothing that says you need to do it every day or you can't do it every day. Nothing that says that you have to baptize by dumping, dunking people in water. Nothing that says that you have to take the Eucharist using bread that has wheat in it. Some people say, no, if, if we're going to really celebrate the Eucharist, we need to use bread with wheat and wine, because that's what Jesus did. Other people say, well, if you're gluten intolerant, that's a problem. How about a rice cracker? Some people would say, oh, that's perfectly fine. Others would say, no, that doesn't work. Well, look, what we have to do, what we all have to do, is we pick one. We choose the way that we're going to do it, and we stay faithful to that. And we do so in a way that's respectful of those who choose to do otherwise, but we do so in a way that's faithful to the way we think God's called us to do it. And, and, that, ha and, and that affects the, the, the areas of emphasis that we devote in, in, in the service of worship on a Sunday morning. You know, there are churches that have choirs. And for those churches, it's very important that the robes all be the same color and that they be clean and that the people who are in the choir be singing in tune I think that's very important myself. But we don't have a choir, so we're not really worried about that. Now, other churches don't have a, a, projection, a projector and a screen, and so they're not concerned about whether the bulb is old and needs to be replaced or whether the screen is torn and needs to be fixed. One of the awesome things about a prayer book is it's a book 
so you can actually open it up to different places, which is nice when you're trying to level the projector stand. Right? We, we learned that we were about 100 pages off for the first couple weeks. We fixed that, and now it's level. You know, I have heard people who attend churches where literally millions of dollars have been spent on carved wood and stained glass making fun of churches where they have spent a lot of money to put in a professional-sounding PA system so that the worship team, the band, can be heard clearly. And I've heard people at churches where they have spent a lot of money to put in a PA system making fun of churches that just spent $150,000 to overhaul the organ. That's not the way we ought to be treating each other. If God's called a church to worship using organs, then let them do that. And if God's called a church to worship using beautiful, beautiful electric guitars made right here in Kent Island by Paul Reed Smith and his company, then let's do that. And let's do that well and do it faithfully and do it joyfully. That's why, I mean, you, you may have heard, we are calling for people to help Mark out at the tech desk. We, we, I, I, I don't want to make Mark feel all self-conscious, but, but it's not easy to do both the sound and the slides at the same time. Usually we try to have two people back there. Usually we also try not to have Mark have to do it every week. So let Mark know if you're able to help. It really is not terribly difficult. If you ever were jealous of the kid who got to push the slide projector around, uh, or the, remember, anybody, okay, dating myself, anybody remember film strips? Yeah, thanks, good, it's not just me. Right. You know, I, I guess I was sick the day they recruited people for the AV team, because suddenly that was going on at my elementary school, and I, I, I couldn't do it, and I was past the training, and I was really disappointed. I didn't get to be an AV geek. So if, you've, if, if like me, you've always wanted that and missed your chance, here's your opportunity. But, but we, we take time and care, and we spend money to, to have good equipment and to enable our congregation to worship well using these kinds uh, of, of tools. It really doesn't matter which you pick, but when you pick, then you do things in that way. You do things decently and in order. So when the worship team chooses to play a song, they play that song in that key. And then they play the next song in, the, in that key. That's, that's how we do it. And whether we, whether we take communion with wheat bread and with actual wine or whether that's taken with grape juice and a rice cracker, if it's appropriate for that tradition and at New Hope we've decided that's perfectly fine that you do either of those, then you do it faithfully. And if you are a guest in another tradition where they do it a different way, then you respect that church's traditions, you respect that church's way of doing things, and as befits members of the body of Christ, you do that with love and with charity. So as I said, this is something where it is going to, it, it kind of feels different somewhat to worship here, even now, Mary has pointed out that, that the worship team has a hard time hearing people sing. Back when we were in the movie theater, the worship team thought nobody sang. The truth is just the acoustics of a movie theater are set up so that sound is dead, so you don't hear anything. Then we moved to Stone Chapel, 
where the acoustics are set up so that everybody can hear everything. And it was like suddenly our congregation was singing. Well, we were singing all along, the worship team couldn't hear. Apparently now, the worship team has a hard time hearing you sing. I don't know if it's because you're being quiet or it's more likely just the acoustics. We'll get used to this. But there will come a time, and I will warn you in advance, but there will come a time when you will walk into this room and it will smell a little funny, and that's not because I've been here, but it will be because at some point St. Hilda's will, on feast days, use incense. That will freak some people out. I remember when I was at school last year, it sure freaked me out. I remember the one day I texted Mary after chapel. I'm like, okay, we broke the incense barrier today. It's not something I was used to, but it's something that I, I learned. I learned how to worship Jesus using a smoking pot. If you come to St. Hilda's, you will not see me casually attired. I will be wearing vestments. I have had to get into the habit of not calling them a funny costume. And those vestments will change based on the seasons. They're different colors you're supposed to wear at different times of the year. So I'm going to do that. And people who are used to an Episcopal service, if they come to New Hope, will say, hey, what's the deal with the pastor wearing the Ravens jersey? And how come nobody's bowing and at, at the name of Jesus? Well, that's because New Hope, we do it the way we do it. The most important thing is that Jesus be glorified. That's why we worship. Because it's all about him. It's not about us. So, because he told us to do so, we're about to take communion. And this is the first time that New Hope has taken communion in this place. And it's going to be a little different because at Stone Chapel we had two aisles and basically people came up one and then went back down the other. Here we have three. So today, we're going to invite you to come up the middle aisle and then to go back around that way and then come back around the back and then get back to your seat. And we'll see if that works. And if it doesn't, we'll try something else next time. But what's important is that we're going to glorify Jesus by receiving the bread and the wine in accordance with his commandments. And along with the faithful churches through the ages, before we do that, we're going to stand up and recite together the Nicene Creed. So I invite you to do that. And afterward, I'd invite you to come forward and, and receive the elements. Take them back with you. Don't eat them right when you get them. Take them back to your seat with you, and we'll partake of them together because that's the way we do it at New Hope. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. 
he suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. 